0: Good morning. How's everyone doing? All right, good. We got a brand new year. That means we have a brand new theme. We have a brand new series. All of it is kicking off today. So I'm so glad that you are here with us. I'm going to jump right into it by sharing a little bit about how my last year wrapped up. Now, uh, I, I don't know if you know this or not, but I have been struggling with my back for A long time last couple years it goes out about every five to six months and this time it's been out for about two and a half weeks right so one time when i was teaching called christmas i was on vicodin just letting you know in case you were just like huh the holy spirit was rolling yeah right right uh i got no meds in me today so we'll we'll see how it works but but in this struggle with my back it started out where because I sit a lot, it weakens my lower back, right, and then the the pain migrates over to my hip, yeah where i 'm walking around i 'm like, man, is my hip now messed up? What is wrong with me and it wasn 't so much the hip up here, it was like the ball and socket joint, you know what i 'm talking about with your with your thigh there, and then all of a sudden, the pain starts radiating down into by my knee. And I'm like, what the heck does my knee have to do with anything? It didn't do anything. And even if I rub the knee, it doesn't help way back here, right? And so I started really struggling. I've tried, you know, I've done physical therapy and I've done massage and I've done uh, chiropractic work, all this different stuff. So it was getting really, really bad and it was going on way too long. And so I thought, all right, I really need to get something adjusted. So I went to someone we will refer to as Doc in the Box right now doc in the box is a chiropractor and i want to say i'm sure he's a super nice guy he seemed very sweet very nice um how the situation necessarily wasn't awesome so i went into this guy and how many of you have ever had chiropractic adjustment raise your hand Okay, so a huge amount of you let me let me bring the rest of you up to speed on what happens So after they do their adjustments they get to the neck everybody familiar with the neck. Yeah, okay So here's how they adjust your neck Every movie you've ever seen with a navy seal that comes up behind someone You know what i'm talking about and they all snap and then the person just collapses and dies Okay, so that's pretty much a neck adjustment so they try to distract you, right? They're like, "Oh, how's your day go snap?" you know, and you're like, "Oh, I didn't even see that coming." So uh, he surprised me on the first one, but then I got wise. And I knew the second one was coming, and it hurt, and he's like and he's like, "Hey, can you he knew it was deep, so he's like, "Hey, can you handle one more?" And I'm like, "I'm a team player." Yeah. Yeah, I think this is a terrible idea, but yes, I will. Well, the problem is that when he went for that last one, I tensed up, right? So, and that's the problem. That's why they were trying to distract you on all that stuff. So he's all, (laughs) and it just, it started, I immediately went, ah, shoot, something's not awesome. So over the rest of the day, it starts building, right? And you got all this pressure coming up in your head. And I was like, this is not going to go well. So as bad as I was before, now I'm worse, right? Now I had a project to do that was a lot of typing. It was a massive project that I had to get done by 1159 on my birthday, right? My birthday is New Year's Eve, y'all knew that? Right, okay, good, good, know it for next year, okay? <laughs> so anyway, uh, <laughs> so not only was it the normal lame thing where everyone's like, woo, your birthday's over, yeah! You know, that kind of thing. Not only is it the big cheer, but I was working for three days straight. Well, when you're working and you can't sit, you work laying down. But when you work laying down and have your laptop on your stomach or on your chest, then you have to have pillows behind your head in order to see it. So then my neck goes out. I'm like, come on, this is killing me, right? Like everything is falling apart all over the place. It got so bad that the second half of New Year's Eve, I couldn't even be in the position anymore. So I had to gingerly walk around while after having gone in the shower and all the hot stuff, right? I'm gingerly walking around my, while I'm dictating the project to my wife who's typing it in for me, right? So this is how I rang in the new year. woo! And you're like, what does this have to do with anything, right? You're just doing this for sympathy. Yes. And it has a point. Here's the deal. Alignment. Had something out of alignment. I ended up going to uh, a, a different chiropractor, one that was licensed, <laughs> right? And uh, and he was kind of like the the Cadillac of chiropractic. And and I went in there, and I I was like, I got to get something right. And sure enough, he he did a really really great job checking in with me all the time. He even had like fancy tools. I don't know if you guys have ever had the little the jackhammer by hand thing that thing's awesome right it's all and they're just like i don't know how that's healthy but anyway (laughs) anyway so um once he got done with doing it right there was a sense where i went wait something feels right like there was an alignment now don't get me wrong A lot of the restless stuff, they had put on the stimulus stuff where it kind of feels like jellyfish are attacking you, you know, and it has a cold pack. So it was all numb. I already felt awesome at the end, right? Everything was totally numb. But I was like, you know what? Something is right, that there was an alignment deep down. And here's my point. Y'all, if we are out of alignment with the Lord, it creates all kinds of stuff that you keep going, how is that related? right? So for example, you start going, man, I'm really struggling at work. And then you're going to come and talk to a pastor and the pastor's going to go, how's your walk with God? And you're going to go, what does that have to do with it? Everything, man, I'm struggling in my marriage or with my parenting. They're going to say, how's your walk with God? And you're going to go, what does that have to do with it? Everything. You see, even though I had the problem of my alignment was way in my L3, way down here in my lumbar spine, I was having pain down in my knee. Why? Because one was triggering the next, was triggering the next, was triggering the next. If we are out of alignment with Christ, We do not have peace in other areas and we are only treating symptoms if we're chasing all that other stuff. If I consistently had massage on my knee, that's not going to solve my problem. It's not even going to solve my knee problem because that's not where it originated, right? Alignment in the very core area. This is what we need so desperately. For example, alignment of identity in who jesus says you are allows you to live as you are intended to live alignment of prayer means that you can access the resources of heaven alignment in listening to the voice of the father means you can receive truth with a capital t and guidance for living alignment of purpose means you can see the fruit of the kingdom what is the point? The point is we have to be aligned with our creator and who is our creator but the king of all creation. Amen? Welcome to 2019, the year of the king. The year of the king. Now, the first half of the year, we're gonna be talking about alignment along with who is the king that you're following. As goes the king, so goes the nation. That means that we need to be focused on making sure we're following the right king the number one king that is vying for god's throne of your heart is you selfishness is the number one challenger to who is king of your life are you running your life who's setting your priorities who's setting your agenda If it is not God, it is likely you. And if you do not have confidence in you, you have chosen someone else or something else in life to be the king of you. That's going to make all the difference in the world. The second half of the year, we're going to be talking about the realization and ramifications of the kingdom of God. See, every king has a kingdom. When Jesus came here, he said, behold, the kingdom of God is here. What was he saying? He was putting all other kings on notice. You see, if you remember the Christmas story, the Magi came because in the stars, what happened? But a constellation showed up that said a new king was born. That's why it freaked Herod out, right? Because Herod was the king. Now all of a sudden he hears a new king is in town. That means he is going to be displaced. You see, the enemy has been running this for a long time. Jesus put him on notice too. He said, I just walked into your town and I'm taking over. You see, he said to his followers, I give you the keys to the kingdom and the gates of hell. Why are there already gates there? Because that was his kingdom. When Satan said to Jesus, bow down to me and I will give you all the kingdoms of the world. What was his point? I run this show. Jesus said, no, thank you. I got a whole different way, went through the cross, shattered the authority of the enemy, bound the strong man so that his children could plunder his house. What it means is we have a kingdom clash. Jesus was pressing in his people, his children, his ambassadors were able to go wherever they want to go in the authority and power of God. That is a fascinating Christianity. That's a Christianity we want to live. If there is a cutoff of authority and power, we may well have a separation between us and the king. I want to share a concept with you that we've shared before. There's, it, it's kind of a two-pack here. King, It's covenant and kingdom. We've shared it before, but I want to share a little bit of a recap. Can we throw up the slide for covenant there real quick? Now, this is something that we have focused on for the last couple of years. So, for example, the year of purpose, the year of identity. It was all about this, that we teach that we have a father, a father in heaven is the one by whom gives us our identity as children of God, as forgiven, as grace filled through that identity and living into that richness. We can then live a life of obedience. Now, you know, this. We've been talking about it ad nauseum. Now, remember the Christianity that is true is from the top down. Everything flows from the father. He's the one that initiated the love. He's the one that gives us the abundant grace. He's the one that gives us an ability to be forgiven. All of that comes from him. When we are filled up with that, we then can live out the Christian life. It must go that way around the triangle. It must go down from the father. To identity than to obedience now you already know all that so we're going to skip on to the next one because our father is not just anybody but he is the king of all creation would you throw up the king kingdom is right here our father is the king the king therefore bestows upon his family for we are princes and princesses therefore the king bestows upon christians an authority that is under the name of jesus christ and the power that comes along with it this it may be new to some of us some of us are very familiar with god as father we're not familiar as god as king although he is the same god it's two different ways to look at him one is very personal one is very orchestrating we want to spend this year looking At how God runs things, how God runs the universe, understanding Him as King. Let me just, let me just read this passage to you, Psalm 24-7. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? Yahweh, strong and mighty. Yahweh, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up on ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? Yahweh of hosts. He is the King of glory. Selah. Now, our King, our God, our Father, the mighty King of all the universe, is he being recognized as so? Do you see him that way? Have you traded your allegiance to a different king? You see, we're going to study a lot ancient Israel and find out that they actually traded their allegiance. They wanted a different kind of king. God told them, I am your king. They said, that's not good enough. We want one that's more touchable, tangible. Hmm. Have we done that? You know it's interesting because when Jesus showed up, he said a bunch of stuff and I think for a lot of us we always kind of skimmed the parts that have to do with us personally. Like the great commission, right? You know that. But do you remember the first line of it? Matthew 28:18 and Jesus came and said to his followers, "All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me." King Jesus. Meaning that God through the person, the second person of the Trinity, God through the person of Jesus Christ fulfills the King of the universe. He is called the Lord of hosts. Now, to us, we don't use that phrase anymore. It's kind of like, what does that mean? What's a host? Right now, in our world, in modern day America, it means the person that seats you at a restaurant, right? Is, oh, let's go to the hostess station, or the host station. In the Bible, it means the army of God. The Lord of hosts means the one that runs the warfare. That is our King Jesus. King Jesus is a warrior king. He is the one that everyone else shudders. It says the demons believe there is one God and are afraid. Why are they afraid? They know what he can do. They know that he's the involved one. He said, if you mess with my kids, if you mess with any part of my kingdom, you're messing with me. In Revelation, we see that not only did God beat down the enemy in the beginning, not only did he beat him on the cross, but he's going to beat him again at the end. It's already been written down. And here comes King Jesus, the type of king that rides into war with his people, riding on a white horse, faithful and true across his thigh with a blazing eyes of fire and a massive sword called truth. This is King Jesus. As goes the king, so goes the nation. We are here to execute the authority of the king. Authority means qualification to act. And I'll tell you this, the more aligned we are with our king, the more unhindered the Holy Spirit can flow through us and the kingdom is made manifest. What are we trying to do? Know who he is and what he wants. The question of what does God want, what is his thought, what is his opinion, is the number one most important issue that you should be asking and seeking. It's the only thing that matters. That's why our motto around Bridgeway that we love to use all the time is that we are Scripture-soaked and Spirit-led. Why? Because we believe that we need to know what he said in the past and what he is saying right now the question of what is God saying. You see, once we know what God says, then we lock into faith and we hang on to it no matter what comes our way. We want to be men and women of faith, yes? Amen. Two people do. (laughs) I'm going to tell you a little bit about the year, the year at a glance. You know, as I said, the Word of God has been a big deal here at Bridgeway, and I was doing some review over this last number of months in preparation for this year. And I realized how beautiful is it that in the last 21 years that I've taught here, I've had the opportunity to teach all but 11 books of the Bible from this stage. That's pretty awesome, right? I mean, there's 66 books in the Bible. So we got 55 of them knocked down. That's pretty amazing, right? And so we have a lot being taught. That means there's still 11 out there. Here's what I'm excited to tell you. By the time we get done with this year, eight of the 11 will be knocked out. That's extraordinary. Now how in the world are we going to cover, right, eight books of the Bible in one year? Well here's how it's gonna go. As I said, we have already launched the series. This is the first part, part one of our King series. And what we're going to be doing is covering the books of first and second Kings and second Chronicles. We've already covered first Chronicles and Samuel at the year of worship. So we are now into first and second Kings. We're going to be talking about the good Kings, the bad Kings, the super complicated Kings. And what we're going to find out is they are an awful lot like us. We're gonna see it feels very, very modern. We're watching these people make decisions in their lives and they have no idea the ramifications. We're gonna be studying two of the greatest prophets of all time, Elijah and Elisha. They ministered during that whole era. Why? Because they were the mouthpiece and might of God, the true king. All Israel wanted to have their own kings and they had these little puppet kings and they're doing their things and their own agendas. Meanwhile, God said, I'm the king of Israel. And what I really want to happen, I'm going to notify my prophets and they're going to tell the king what to do. Who's in charge? I'm always in charge, right? We're going to be studying that. Now, there are three minor prophets that we're going to slip into that series. Uh, they all have terrible names. It's Obadiah, Nahum, and Zephaniah, right? Probably not your morning coffee devotional. We're going to slide them in where they ministered in that era, and we're going to talk about what message they were giving from God. A fourth prophet, we're going to give his own series, a four-week series in the book of Zechariah. He actually had visions of kingdom, visions of things that God was doing and what God wanted in His people. We're going to go through that. Then as we shift into the latter portion of the year, we're going to focus on kingdom concepts When Jesus was here, he taught parables about the kingdom of God. We're going to do a nine-week series and cover all the parables of the kingdom. How does the kingdom work? How do you get into the kingdom? How do you operate through the kingdom? What is victory in the kingdom? All of that. And then we're going to close the year out with a seven-week series called Practical Kingdom Living through the book of Philippians. Anybody interested in this? All right, yeah, come on, this is great stuff. So as goes the king, so goes the nation. If you take notes, I want you to take some notes on this stuff. I'm just going to lead you into it real quick. There are seven things that a king determines. Seven things that a king determines. I don't know how many of you watch movies or study history. I actually do both. And in watching all that stuff and seeing this, you know, you get a lot of those medieval times and there's a king going against another king. And and you can tell kind of from the beginning Which king is going to win? Because very rarely is it an equal thing. Usually one king has more stuff than the other king or whatever. Some are good, some are bad. So let me give you some principles about what kings mean. You see, a king determines seven things at least for the nation. Number one, write down the word vision. The vision of a nation. Where is the nation headed? If you are on the throne of your life, you're the one dictating where you're going. If Jesus is on the throne of your life, he's dictating where you're heading. That means he gets to cancel your plans and put his in place. The only time you're ever going to know who's really on the throne is when your opinion and his opinion clash. Who's going to win? Then you'll know who's really sitting on that seat. Make sense? Because we play games like, oh, he's the king of my life. He's the king of my life, right? Is he? He said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but don't do what I say? That's kind of messed up. All right. Number two, the ethos of a nation. E T H O S. The ethos. That's the intangibles. That's the atmosphere of a nation. You know how every we are surrounded by a million awesome churches in this region. We have so many good churches. Have you noticed that they all have a different vibe? right? You go into the church and it's kind of that intangible. It's a, it's a feel, it's kind of an attitude and kind of what they're about. All those intangibles are called the ethos. The king determines the ethos of the nation. Number three, the heart of the nation. A king determines whether or not we would be good or we will be bad guys. You're going to find out that in Israel, when a bad king came into play and there was a majority bad guys, When a bad guy came into play, the nation did the most wicked things they never imagined they would walk into. That's the power of a king. Number four, a king determines access to resources, access to resources. If you are your own king, you better work a lot harder because you don't have enough. If King Jesus is your king, He's the one that owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He's the one that is able to multiply loaves and fishes. There is no lack with our King Jesus. So who are you following? Number five, a king determines access to power. Access to power. I'll link that with number six, access to authority. What king are you following and what is their power and authority level? Jesus said all authority on heaven and earth belongs to me. I can lay down my life and I can bring it up again. I have gone all the way through death. Death doesn't even hold me. We serve a king who has done everything first, even death. He says, come on, kids. I've already been there, done that. He went through death and out the other side and showed you what resurrection would look like so that you might not fear. How beautiful of a king that would march into war with his people and go first. What an extraordinary God that we serve. Number seven, access to strategic partnerships, access to strategic partnership. This is always how war goes. For example, World War II, it was all about the axis versus the allies. Who were you aligned with in World War II? The most common way that people think about it is that Japan and Germany allied. And then you had Russia you had Britain and you had America. They allied together and there was a massive war. Who was connected to who? That became a huge deal. It's that way in every war. Well, we have a war going on right now. And you want to know what's exciting? Although we, God doesn't need partners, right? I mean, he knows how to handle this stuff on his own, but we sure need partners. How awesome is this? If something goes down terrible at Bridgeway, I have a link to the majority of all the other pastors in our region because they're friends of mine. I can instantly text them and they will begin praying for our congregation. You see, we're never alone. All throughout the region, if something goes down with the Rock of Roseville and I hear about it and it's serious, what do you think we're going to do as a church? We're going to pray for their defense because we are strategically aligned with all the different churches around the area. Wherever we go, we get a chance to partner together and back each other up. Nobody is operating on their own. Amen? Amen. Now, as ambassadors of the kingdom, we carry out the will of King Jesus. How are we going to do that? We are going to bless the world around us. This concept of a blessed strategy, which I'm about to share with you. It all comes from Genesis one one. I've shared with it, shared it before. And by the way, this concept that I'm going to share with you about the blessed strategy and the blessed project and things like that, and the kingdom and covenant, you guys, that stuff is absolutely brilliant. How do I know that? Because we stole it from somebody else. (laughs) Right? Everybody's like, wow, these are really good. You come up with that? No. No, I ripped it off from the same company. All right. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Stealing in Jesus name. The concept of being a blessing and blessing the world comes from Genesis 12. 1. the Lord said to Abraham, now remember Abraham is by which all the Jewish people came and God said, I'm going to have a place on that planet through these people and they are going to experience my presence like never before. And they're going to do great things. They are the salt and light of the world. That is us. Now the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you and I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Y'all, Bridgeway has had their name made great. For what purpose? For the glory of the church? No. For the glory of King Jesus. He's the only one worthy of this. If he has made you accelerate and do well at your job, he's done it for his glory. He's done it for his name to be lifted high. If he has given you wealth, if he has given you health, if he's done any of that stuff, it wasn't just for you. Yes, it was a kind gift from a father, but really it was to be a blessing to other people to advance the kingdom. We are being blessed as God's people that we might be a blessing for other people, not just to hoard that which God blesses us with. So, what does that mean? It means that we want to always use the concept of bless as we go out, whether we are ministering to our coworkers or whether we are ministering as I'm about to share with you the 788 homes just across the street. I'm going to share that strategy here with you in a moment. But I want to go through this. B-L-E-S-S. Each one of them stands for a concept and a word. Let us begin taking notes together. If you take notes, the B stands for begin with prayer. You never do any movement of God or advancement of the kingdom or sharing of your faith without first praying. Why? Because in John 15, Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you're connected to me, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We need to be able to link in with Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit. And we need to always be listening and saying, God, what do you want? Lord, I want to minister to this person. But the only reason I wanted to minister to him is because you love them first. You gave me the idea. So what are your ideas? Lord, I want to minister to my coworker, but I don't know how. I don't know how to broach the subject. I don't know how to come up with a concept. I don't know what to talk about. Lord, would you give me ears to hear differently that when they talk to me, I begin to see open doors. Give me the eyes to see opportunity to be able to spend time with them in a manner that would bless them. God, begin to bring me into what you're already doing. That's the begin with prayer. The L is listen deeply. Listen deeply. The church is super good at talking, not so good at listening. <laughs> We need to learn how to listen when you establish that connection because God gave you an open door. Your job is to listen and know people deeply. Your job is not to derail their life. Your job is not to filibuster and start out with in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. They're bored before you got the third word out. Just listen to them. Well, what am I asking them? I don't know. Ask them about them right? What is their story? What's going on with them? What are they like? What are they not like? If you ask them, your coworker, you're like, Hey, Hey dude, what are you into? Well, I party. All right. What's, what's your view of partying? Like you like clubs and stuff. No, clubs are stupid. I basically just sit home and smoke a bowl. Oh, all right, cool. So, um, and you're like, oh, what did I just learn right there? Listen, your job is not to immediately lash out with new advice. Hey, I would like to judge you and tell you exactly where you should be. Do you know that God is not into drugs? Right? Come on. You're not even listening to their story. You're not listening to what does that do for them? Is it a numbing out? Is it, is it feeling a little bit better? What, what is going on in their world? Because you don't even know them. So you listen. You listen deeply. What would really minister to them? All right, the E is eat with them. Have a meal with them. We decided to opt not for eat them. That would be terrible, right? That was that was a serial killer strategy. We decided to go away with that. We're gonna go with a nice one. Eat with them. Why? Because in our busy world, there's only a few times we slow down enough to talk. Now, I happen to have the spiritual gift of eating rapidly. I can consume just about any meal in two minutes or less, right? Not sure why that is. I didn't, I didn't have to hoard food when I was young. I mean, it wasn't like people were ripping it away from me, but somehow I inhale it, which is not good spiritually. It's not good diet, you know, diet wise. It's just not good. But if I could slow down a little bit, coffee counts as well, by the way, you can sit around and have coffee with someone. It's one of the only times it is societally acceptable, to just have a conversation because we're doing something, right? Isn't that amazing? Now you could just sit down and talk, but that's weird. If you're holding a cup, it's less weird, right? Welcome to humanity. When you eat a meal, it's why Jesus did so much stuff around the dinner table. Have you noticed that? So he ministers to Zacchaeus, right? You all remember that guy, a little corrupt little dude, And it was like the wee little man was he, you all know that song, right? So he sees a wee little man hanging out in a sycamore tree, calls him down. What's the first thing they do? He's like, dude, I'm going to your house for dinner. Right off the bat, they have a meal together. Why? Because we need to talk and you're not going to talk with me as long as you're working. So let's take a break from working and let's chat about life. When Matthew or Levi, the tax collector gets saved, what's the next thing they do? They throw a big party at their house to eat around a table with all the tax collectors and sinner friends. Why? That gave Jesus access to be able to talk with all their buddies. What do you think we just celebrated with communion? The last supper. Why is it always a supper? Because that's how their culture was built, was around the dinner table. And in the same way, our culture still has allowance. Now, drive through screws it all up. You understand what I'm saying, right? But if you happen to go to a restaurant, usually you have to wait for something, and that allows you to have time to talk. So we begin with prayer. We listen deeply. Then we have a meal with them and then S serve them. Remember, we make it about them. The very definition of agape love, a God type of love is others focused. Stop making it about you. Well, I want to minister in a way that's comfortable for me. It's not about you. Well, I got to minister in a way that I feel like I'm constantly sharing truth and I'm going to tell them what I think. No, you blew it what do they need? You get into their world. Well, I don't know what they need. That's why you got to listen deeply. Got to follow the order, right? So you listen, you serve them. What do they truly need? How can you actually help? What'd be a blessing to them? Now, if you didn't listen very well and it, and this is still sweet, but it's a little misguided. If you go up to your coworker and you're like, Hey dude, wanted to bless you, brought you a coffee. And he's like, well, I'm Mormon. <laughs> and you're like, sorry about that. Didn't think about that. It's like bringing pork chops to a Muslim. It's just not a good idea, right? You're not listening. You're not paying attention, but it's very sweet that you tried. It's very sweet that you're like, Hey, I brought you a present. I did something for you, but we definitely need to love them in a way that they need to be loved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Last S is story. Tell them your story. Tell them the story of Jesus because your story and his story are absolutely intertwined. If you're a Christian, you don't have a story without a Jesus story. And you're like, well, I don't know all the facts about Jesus. That's okay. Here's how it's going to go. Hey, so why are you Christian? Well, I was doing my own thing. I was pretty much about me. And then one day God rescued me. And He told me that I could start afresh and that He would take over and that I could kind of give my life to Him and He would rescue me from myself my sins. And he actually said I was forgiven and that I was full of grace now. And I fell in love with him, been serving him ever since. Okay. That's creepy. Um, so like everything's cool for you now. Nope. Everything screwed up. I thought you said you're a Christian. Oh, I'm a Christian. I have Jesus. However, I'm still messed up, but I have Jesus. See, you're messed up. You don't have Jesus. No, don't tell him that. That's terrible. <laughs> Uh, went sideways on there. (laughs) Do you understand you're not here trying to sell a product? Tell someone the truth. And the truth is, yeah, I'm a work in progress. You're going to look at me and you're going to be really unimpressed by a whole lot of stuff. But you know what? I'm still being changed. And if you need what I have experienced, I would love to tell you how. But do you understand that it doesn't have to start with an automatic, I have four laws of salvation, right? How about just being normal and talking with people and loving on them, right? So how are we practically going to do this? Like I explained how it would work with a coworker. How in the world are we going to do a bless project for those 788 neighbors over there? Well, as a matter of fact, it all begins with figuring out how many of you already live there, right? So we have that in our database so i'm going to be having a map all year long on my wall in my office it is nine feet long and five feet tall it will have the entire 788 homes as a picture on that map. I will be able to mark out what I would consider lighthouses, which is Bridgeway families that are already there or believing families that are already there, even if they don't belong to Bridgeway. And our job is to breathe life into what you're already doing. If you already have relationships with your neighbors, we're not there to hijack that. We're here only to bless that. You can give us some ideas on what has been going on on your block, things like that. And then the second thing we want to do is ultimately come alongside the neighbor's Naturally, We're not here to screw up their rhythm. We're not here to cause a problem. As a matter of fact, we finished phase one. Phase one is that we got together a team of you, right? So we grabbed a bunch of you that are excellent at loving on other people, serving other people from a bunch of different demographics. We wanted to make sure that we knew all the different types of neighbors we're gonna come in contact with. So we all sat down. There's about 15 of us in a room. And we all sat down and began to brainstorm what would really make a difference. And somebody came up with the sweetest idea, super simple. And I want to tell you why I think it's so brilliant. Here was their idea. They said, you know what would be fun is if at the exits of all the different areas in those neighborhoods, there's probably maybe five exits on those exits, just have a table out there in the morning that says donuts and coffee, no donation allowed. And what happens is all they have to do is drive up, roll down their window, you hand it to them and say, God bless you. Boom, they're gone. Why do I love that so much? Because it goes with their rhythm. It doesn't hijack their world. It's not like, hey, stop and let's talk about Jesus. It's nothing awkward like that. It is simply, hey, you were probably going to grab something on the way. Maybe you already got something, then you'll just drive on by. It doesn't bother us. But if there's any way we can bless you and make your day easier, we'd like to do that. See, I love that stuff. Yeah. Where it's not ruining their vibe. It's coming alongside them. Our goal is to relationship build. We want to be good, joyful neighbors. We want them to go, man, we had no idea when we bought this house, how blessed we would be just by being near a church. Y'all, I don't want to be a problem in their neighborhood. I don't want them always having to apologize when everyone goes, what's that big, huge dirt land over there? They go, oh, that's attached to that church. You got a church in your neighborhood? Drag. I would love for them to be able to say, you know what, the greatest block party we ever had was because of that church. Hmm. Phase two is let's figure out our actual strategy. We have a lot of ideas. What are we really going to do? What resources do we have? I don't know. We're still calculating that. Remember I said the end of the year giving. We're going to take half of that and put it towards this. Could be 32 bucks. I have no idea. If that's the case, we got to get real creative. We'll give donut holes as opposed to donuts, right? Okay, whatever. But we're going to come up with that. But here, I'm going to tell you this for accountability. You know what we're going to do is that we're going to have all of our team with our best ideas from our brainstorming. And we're going to put it on one of those live polls and let's just do it all together right? How about you all vote on what you think would be the most helpful? A lot of you just live in that neighborhood. You know better than we do. So maybe we as a family can all come together and come up with the best strategy that we can do that. That way we're all involved. Phase three is get our teams together, get our leaders together and just get it done. That's it. Y'all, this is all still forming. It is very new. I'm just now getting my map. I'm all excited about it, right? So I'm going to keep you up to date on all this stuff. But this blessed strategy is one sliver of what it means to be the kingdom of God. Y'all, we all are doing this all over the place. We're going to do some things collectively together and we're going to do some things individually apart. The number one key is, are we advancing God's kingdom or are we advancing our own kingdom? Can I have the prayer team come on up here as we close out? I really don't want this year to be about self-examination only, right? I would love for it to be a kingdom doing stuff year. I'd love for it to be something where we just say, man, I got to bless more people. I got to bless more people. Well, what if they don't come to a knowledge of Jesus? Well, then you still loved them just like Jesus did with Judas, right? You see, too many times we get all locked up with, I'm only going to minister if they come my direction, I don't think that's how Jesus treated Judas. You see, nobody knew he was the bad guy because Jesus loved them all the same. I think we need to grow up a little bit in maturity and start loving people because that's who we are, not because of what they will do. That's important. Y'all, I'm going to be praying blessing over you this morning for this very purpose. I want you to keep your eyes out for blessing. Let's say you get blessed with health and healing today. That is more able bodiedness to love on more people. Let's say I pray blessing over you and you get a raise at work. Maybe that is for the reason of being able to finally do some of the things that your heart would like to do for other people. Maybe you get a chance to move into a new home. Maybe that means that your home can be opened up for a missional community where people can be transformed. I don't know, but I'm going to be praying blessing like crazy on you this year. So if things start looking up, I need you to start looking out. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this glorious group. God, those that I can see and those that are online, those that are listening to my voice. God, I pray blessing in Jesus' name to fall upon each and every one of them. That, Lord, that the more you bless us, the more we lift your name up on high, that you would draw all men to yourself. God, we pray that our minds would be attuned with yours, that whenever we receive blessing, our first thought is, who can I care for? Who can I lay my hands upon? Who can I protect? May we be a church, Father, that does your will obediently and instantaneously. May this altar be anointed that, Lord, that these prayer warriors that have come forward, that, Father, they would be anointed by the power of your Holy Spirit, that the blessing would begin right here at the altar today. A lot of us have needs, God. At least we think they're needs. We trust you as a good heavenly Father to be able to know what is good and right. We praise you and we love you and we thank you and we ask that you would touch your children today and bless us that we might bless others. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a wonderful weekend. We'll see you next time.